Well, good morning and welcome to worship at Christ Church. Whether you are watching online and participating from your home today or worshiping here on our campus, uh, we are thrilled to welcome you and pray that our time together will make a difference in how you move through this week to come. Uh, the week that lies behind us will certainly go down in history as one of the most tumultuous ones that we have seen in a very long time as a people. And I think that if ever there was a moment when there was value to centering ourselves upon the eternal presence, the consistent promises of God, now is that time. Uh, I'm reminded of the words of Abraham Lincoln who once observed that there are times when he has been driven to his knees out of the overwhelming conviction that there was no place left to go. And I know that as I've watched the disturbing events of this past week, uh, I have felt something of that as well, a desire to go to my knees before God and to seek the clarity and the character and the healing that the Word of God promises will come to those who seek God's face. Uh, I shared in a letter to the congregation this past week an invitation to that uh, season of prayer in the life of our nation right now. Uh, I am reminded of the powerful words that we read in the book of Chronicles in which God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land." I'll confess that I'm not always sure which wicked ways in me God would want me to turn from. I can be incredibly blind about my own role in uh, the character of our country in these days or my own uh, role in the possible solutions to the issues of our time. Uh, I can get confused sometimes uh, in trying to understand uh, what it is that God specifically calls me to do, which is one of the major reasons, I think, that a season of prayer is really valuable for our nation during this time. Uh, to come before God, to humble ourselves, to make ourselves available to Him for His instructions is perhaps one of the most constructive things that we can do, I think, in this era. To this end, I do want to say thank you to the many households who uh, responded to my invitation in my letter this week to join me and others in prayer on a Zoom call on Thursday night. Uh, it was very meaningful to have uh, well over 100 households of our church connecting in this way. And I just want you to know that we're going to be doing it again today at 12.15 on Zoom. You'll find an instruction key uh, made available to you on your screen that describes where you go to find the Zoom link. Uh, it's just 30 minutes of an investment of your time, but it will mean so much as we center our hearts and our minds together on God upon his promises and we seek his will. A little later in the service today, we're going to be celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion. Uh, we're going to be seeking to drink deeply from God's grace and truth uh, throughout our service today, but we'll come in this very special sacrament into a deep communion with our Lord. And I wanna let you know that if you are uh, here worshiping with us on our campus, uh, you will have already been given uh, one of the little uh, sanitary communion kits that we've made available uh, to you. Uh, if you're at home, this is the time, if you don't already have it put together, to perhaps go and get some wine or juice or bread 
and to bring that and to be ready upon instruction a bit later in our service today uh, to receive those elements with the whole church family. And now I want to invite all of us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord as we turn with renewed sense of need and with a profound sense of hope towards the one who is the Holy One of Israel, the one in whose sufficiency is our strength alone. Come, let us worship God.
Friends, we are in the presence of the mighty King, and I invite you to join me now in a service of penitence. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask for your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. O glorious God, as we come this day to the table of your grace, show us what we ought to ask for here. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great and your grace is boundless. For we offer ourselves again to you today in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
and the life was the light of all people. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Once again, uh, a very warm welcome on this second Sunday of 2021. It is good to be together in worship today and to be enjoying the beauty of the music and the peace of this place. And I hope and pray that uh, as God speaks to us this morning, you will find him nurturing and strengthening you for the journey that all of us must make into this new year to come. This morning, it is my joy to be beginning with you a new series of reflections based on the Old Testament book of Joshua. And I believe this book is particularly relevant for our time because it will speak to us of how we can make the very best of this period of time ahead, this new year that stretches out before us like a new land. Chances are we need some help doing that this past year has been a doozy. I think all of us would recognize that. It was a year that many of us would perhaps prefer to forget and to leave behind, which is why the story of Joshua is so appropriate and it's so timely for us. I'd like to tell you why. If you could binge watch the book of Deuteronomy, which is the program that comes right before Joshua, as it were, Even better if you could watch one of the prequels to Deuteronomy, uh, the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, you would be amazed at how relevant this part of the Bible story is to us in our time today. Uh, The story that we read in those pages is sort of like one of those programs where people are breaking bad and everyone's just trying to be a survivor and you meet the sons of anarchy and the real housewives of Israel turn out to be a pretty desperate lot. I'm not kidding. This is an amazing text, these stories that lead up to the book of Joshua. And these storylines that come up to the tale that we're going to be examining this month are all about a nation in crisis. It's about people journeying through a very unexpected kind of wilderness. The pattern of life as they have known it for years and years and years has now fallen apart. The nation of Israel is having terrible fights within itself and it's warring against other tribes. There is One disaster after another, it seems, as you read your way through these books. People have so tired of the journey. Uh, They are so weary of the slog of life. And everyone wishes they could go back to the predictability of life as it used to be way back there in Egypt. Though, frankly, they've gotten a little fuzzy on what life was really like for them in that nostalgic uh, time. They've been in the wilderness for so long 
that people are just hanging on. And they've been told that there's a better day coming, that there's a promised land out there somewhere, but they're not there yet, and they're not at all sure when they're going to get there. Does that sound familiar? Do we see any echoes of our experience in that of the people of Israel? And then there's this turning point. Moses, the charismatic and controversial leader of the nation, is suddenly gone. The last page of Deuteronomy turns over like an old year turns over to a new year. And the book of Joshua begins, and I'd like to start at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about Get ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now, I don't have to use a whole lot of imagination, you probably don't either, to figure out what the people of Israel were likely feeling at this particular moment. Some people were probably fixated on the passing of Moses. Moses had been such a large figure in the life of the nation, that his passing had to have created a profound sense of fixation for many. What are we going to talk about if we can't believe in him or if we can't bash him? What are we going to do without Moses on scene? How bad or good is this new administration that's going to follow Moses? Many people had to have been wondering. But I suspect that as the word went out that the people had arrived now at the Jordan River, the majority of people were not only thinking about their human leaders. They were about to cross over into a land they had never been to before. The question that had to rise or ought to have risen for a whole lot of them was, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? What's the journey ahead going to be like? How should we walk it? Will this next season be like the last one? Or will it be something different altogether? In the days ahead, will I have to keep on working just to survive? Or is there a future in which I can truly thrive? And I think that as you and I also emerge, in a sense, dripping wet from the river between 2020 and 2021, the chances are many of us are asking similar kinds of questions. How do I make 2021 a year in which I don't merely survive but actually thrive? Is that even possible? Is there anything that I can do or anything that I can pursue that will increase the probability that this will actually be a year of thriving? God was basically saying to Joshua and to the people of Israel here, I want you to have something 
better in this era ahead than you've had in that wilderness behind you. I, I want this season to come to be a good season. And I dare to believe that God is saying much the same to us as well in our time as we stand at this point in our journey. Now, it's not like there was nothing of value in the wilderness that the people of Israel had been walking through. It's not like it had been all bad back there and it was going to be all good up in front of them. Not at all, as we'll discover. But the reality is that much of the experience of the wilderness and the desert presented opportunities. As many of us have discovered ourselves during this past year, there's a lot of beauty and a lot of blessing in the desert if you look for it. The tendency that many of us have experienced is, is in these last months is one of having the time and the space to pay attention even more deeply to the nature of life. And when you're out in the wilderness, you start paying attention to the details uh, in, in remarkable ways. At the beginning, it seems like it's all brownness and, or grayness. And then over time, you see the wildflower and you see the, the, the color of the wing of the bird. And you notice the little details. That's been my experience when traveling through wilderness. When you're out in the desert, you start to be a lot more grateful for simple things, for daily bread. You learn the value of slowing down, of conserving your resources. You, you begin to experience the pleasure of silence and the gift of rest. When you're decoupled from all of the usual rushing routines of life, you may learn to play more. Uh, how many of you have taken up board games and other games more fully during this particular season? It was a wonderful experience over the holidays with our children of doing that kind of thing. Many through, who walked through the wilderness, wilderness learned to pray more, especially for patience and perseverance and strength and for all of the fruit of the Spirit that we need to make life's journey. If you read the Bible stories that come before the book of Joshua, then you'll find that all of these things were among the blessings that Joshua and the people of Israel experienced during their wandering in the wilderness. Those 40 years out there in the desert were not a waste of time. They were a time of refining. They were a time of preparing for seizing the opportunities of the new season to come. So the question I want to pose for us as we stand here at this moment in our journey is, what have been the lessons God has taught you what have been the good changes God has brought about in you or through you during this past year. Hold on to those treasures from the desert. Keep them in your backpack. Don't forsake them as you journey forward. But for the sake of God, keep journeying forward. Let God lead you now into the new land that he wants to lead you and me into. If you study the biblical text very carefully, you see that God in this particular story actually points to a definitive line 
in the sand, as it were. Actually, literally, a river, the Jordan River. And he says, I want you to cross over now into the new. Moses, my servant, is dead. That was the old life. Now, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. This is the new life, God says. And then God goes on to paint for Joshua a vision of the sort of life that he wants for his people in the days to come. And I want us to just look at the, the, the detail of this and, and look at its potential implications for our lives as well. God says to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. In other words, you will no longer be an anxious wanderer in this world. You will no longer just be going from place to place to place knowing that none of it belongs to you. Instead, you will become a confident traveler. Every place you enter into you will begin to regard now as your place, as a place that I have put you on purpose, a place of discovery, of opportunity, of belonging. And then he goes on and says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the way to the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. In other words, your influence is going to stretch farther south and north and east and west than it has ever stretched before. In this season to come, I'm going to use you in bigger and better and more influential kinds of ways to bring forth good. I'm going to use you in more powerful ways than you've dared to imagine thus far. And then God says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. In other words, you'll be a conqueror in this life. You'll be one of those stunningly resilient people whom no one and no thing can finally bring down, can finally destroy or overcome. In short, God is saying, the life behind you may have been about just surviving, but the life into which I'm leading you now is going to be about thriving. That's my vision for you, God is saying to Joshua and the people of Israel. So here's something to ponder. What if this wasn't just a conversation that God had with one man long ago in a very different time what if part of the reason why God said this to Joshua was because he knew that someday these words could become his word to you? That this could be a gift to you too and to me. You see this whole vision of being a confident presence wherever we go, of having an expanding influence for good, of being someone who no one and no thing can topple. This particular vision of thriving that God is giving to Israel isn't just what it means to be an ancient Israelite. It is exactly what it means to be a follower of Christ today. 
It is just what it means today. We are to be confident, compassionate, creative, courageous people, the kind of people that I dare say our country needs right now in every sphere and every setting, and we must remember this. We must dare to, to strive to live into this as we enter this season to come. So I hope we will take the good stuff with us from this past year. I hope we'll leave behind what is dead and gone. And let's just cross over together into this vision of thriving that God wants for his people. Let me, however, underline, if I may, an important qualification. Moving from mere surviving to genuine thriving doesn't just happen by simply putting one foot in front of another foot and just wandering or stumbling forward. Thriving doesn't happen by accident. As we're going to see in much greater depth in these coming weeks and the studies we'll make of Joshua's life, thriving comes particularly from three practices or, or uh, patterns of life. It comes from having a mindset of obedience to God's leading. God's instructions to us are for the sake of thriving. It comes secondly from cultivating certain kinds of relationships and principally one with him. And finally it comes from tapping into a strength that is rooted in our own knowledge of our weakness. There is no thriving, strangely, without recognizing the source of strength. We're going to see these phenomenally important truths playing themselves out in the story of Joshua. And they are so desperately needed to be played out, I think, in our lives today. If we want to thrive as individuals or as a nation, these instructions could not possibly be more timely. When I think of somebody who has God's heart to see you and me and even our country thrive, I think of Jean-Baptiste Mugaruru. I don't know if you know Jean-Baptiste. Some of you will perk up when you hear his name. He has been one of the long-term mission partners of Christ Church in Africa. Our support of Jean-Baptiste's work with Youth for Christ International is one of the best things we do as a congregation, one of the best reasons that we keep investing in the mission of our church. And I think that if there is ever an individual who understands what it is to walk through a wilderness, somebody who knows what it's like to see his own country in turmoil and conflict, someone who knows what it is to both suffer and serve his way through difficult circumstances, it is Jean-Baptiste Mugararo. Jean-Baptiste lived in Uganda amidst the extreme political instability during and after the fall of Idi Amin. Amin, as you know, was one of the most controversial and frankly bloody leaders of our time. Jean-Baptiste also spent time in Burundi during its time of tremendous political crisis. Uh, but most significantly, Jean-Baptiste 
lived in Rwanda during the 1994 genocide, when during the space of just three months, over a million people were slaughtered and Jean-Baptiste lost his family. Somehow he survived. Step by step, Jean-Baptiste clambered his way out of the Red River of that time and, and found the strength and courage to move forward. He moved through a period of barely surviving and eventually into a period of truly thriving. He did not just do this personally. He formed a team of Christian youth workers who sowed Christian vision and character into the lives of half a million Rwandan youth. In an effort to shape a vision and character and a quality of life in these kids that would help ensure that this horrible period of history did not repeat itself in Rwanda again. And through the efforts of Jean-Baptiste and his co-workers, Rwanda is a peaceful, thriving country again. So when a letter arrived in my email box this Friday, as I was surfing the web and watching videos of all of the destruction and violence and chaos going on uh, this past week in our nation, I thought to myself, maybe I should read this letter. <laughs> maybe I should stop and read this letter. And after reading it, I got John Baptiste's permission to share it with you. Let me quote him. I'm watching with great sadness what's going on at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. I am only a foreigner who cannot claim to know or to love your country more than Americans know and love their country. But if there is one foreigner who loves your country a lot, it must be me says Jean-Baptiste. I, I, I love your country. I have been to big cities, to small cities, and to the rural America. I have visited schools and churches. I have been in numerous homes. I can claim to know how decent your country is. I do not want to believe that what has been happening in your country represents Decent people like you, my friends. I know you are hurt by the politics. I love you, and I pray for you and with you. The events of 2020, he writes, were disheartening, but what I am watching right now makes me wonder about the future of the USA, your freedom and democracy, your political stability and maturity, gave hope to many people from countries that are not yet democratic. Unfortunately, what I'm watching is a cause for concern for all of us, whether Americans or non-Americans. I remember a story in the Bible, he writes, where two women were fighting over one child. King Solomon, in his wisdom, wanted to test, truly, who is the mother of this child? And he suggested cutting the child into two, so that each woman can take one half. The lady 
who was not the real mother, saw it as a brilliant idea because for her, if she could not have the boy, then no one should have the boy. She would rather see him dead than to lose him for someone else. On the other hand, the real mother would rather see the boy alive whether she keeps him with her or not. I pray that the country that I love, USA, writes Jean Baptiste, should not have leaders or citizens who think like this woman, who was not the real mother. I know you would rather see your country alive than destroyed. May you spread the same message to your loved ones. May the country I love, USA, never try to go that route for partisan political gains that tear the country into two or into different factions. I am praying for you. I am hurting, and I know that you are hurting even more. But take heart. Take heart. I am sharing my heart with you, he writes, because I love you. One might say, even as God says to Joshua, that there's a simple message in this. And it is to be strong and to be very courageous because the best can yet be as we walk together on the journey ahead. Please pray with me. Lord God, we dare to believe there is indeed new life beyond the wilderness, beyond this turbulent river we're wading through right now. As we come to your table today, that table around which sits Jean-Baptiste and more good-hearted people than we may have yet realized, Renew our faith and our hope and our love, we beseech you, Father. Make us more obedient to you, more committed to a real relationship with you above all else, more ready to be channels of your strength that is made perfect in our weakness. Lead us from mere surviving to genuine thriving through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Pastor Dan. What a powerful message the Lord has delivered through our dear pastor this morning. It occurs to me that maybe some of you are new or newer to Christ Church and have not had the opportunity to meet Pastor Dan yet, and we have a great chance for you to do that. This coming Sunday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we'll have an online event, a Zoom gathering. Just be a few people likely in that gathering. You'll have a chance to meet him, to learn a lot about our church, meet some other church staff, and also have the opportunity to ask questions uh, of our dear pastor and find out more about the church in that way as well. You can see the information on your screen if you're watching online and want to let you know that's the simple way to sign up and make available to yourself this opportunity to meet the pastor. 
I also want you to know that our team has put together a wonderful prayer card for your use during the week so that you'll be able to reminder, have a reminder, remember the truths that have been communicated in our Sunday sermon. And also there is a prayer on that card for you to pray. We're inviting the whole church to be praying this during this season. If you're watching online, you'll be able to access that by the information you see uh, broadcast there. If you're here in the building in the sanctuary this morning, you'll find a card that looks just like this on one of the white tables as you exit through door number one towards the, uh, the outside of the narthex there. I want to also let you know, friends, that as we prepare to return the Lord's tithe to him and bring our offering, how the profoundly powerful impact of your giving is having a tremendous effect on our community right around us here in DuPage and Cook County. The Christchurch Food Pantry term, team serves monthly throughout the year and now with COVID has moved to a drive-up or drive-through model during this time, which is a little different. For our December pantry, I want you to hear this, that hundreds of cars, 179 families to be exact, wrapped around our parking lot here at the church, arriving in a steady stream throughout that morning. In addition to the groceries which each of those families received, the team distributed nearly 500 Christmas gifts for children. These families also received fleece scarves and hats and blankets and gloves, all lovingly made by members of our congregation. We asked some of the volunteers who participated that day helping uh, to share with us a little bit of what they experienced and how they were touched by this experience on their end of the experience. One young man wrote this, if I could describe the experience in one word, it would be awe. Families were overjoyed when we loaded boxes in their cars. You could see that they were filled with hope. Another one said, there was a great feeling of being together with other people who wanted to help as well. There was a real sense of the church family at work together. Since my wife and I are relatively new to Christ Church, it gave us a sense of belonging to this wonderful church family. Another said, some clients sat for close to an hour in the line of cars waiting to be served. This was an environment that would lead most to frustration or annoyance. But when we walked up to the cars, we were greeted with words of thanks, expressions of gratefulness, and even the people were offering to pray for the volunteers. All of this, despite being cold and drenched, the volunteers smiled and joked and served the clients with kindness and grace. Another said, why do I serve at the food pantry? Really simple answer, the Holy Spirit is at work there. What a wonderful reminder to me to be thankful for all that I have been given and that regardless of my shortcomings, God continues to pour out his amazing love on me. You see, our giving, our generosity, not only impacts others, but it changes us and shapes our hearts in this process. I want you to know that our food pantry ministry is seeking new volunteers as we go forward into 2021, and also the food drive that supplies the pantry each and every month is also continuing to accept donations in this new year. You can learn more about those opportunities to serve on the screen is displayed there. I want to remind you again, your generosity is changing the lives of thousands and thousands of people in this way and many others each time you give. And you can give today by simply texting to the address you see on the screen or going to our website to christchurch.us slash give to do so. 
You can also mail in a paper check. The mail still works and the paper checks still work just fine. You can mail it to either of our church locations here in Oakbrook or in, in Lombard. And you can also drop one off during the week. If you came pre- didn't come prepared to write a check today and you'd like to give a check, we have drop boxes at both of our uh, campus locations. And you can also, as you exit the sanctuary this morning, you'll find an offering receptacle there as you move out to your car and go in that direction. Friends, no matter how you give or you serve our church, we want to say thank you because the role that your generosity plays is huge in advancing the kingdom purposes that we're all about here at Christ Church.
Dear friends, as we come to the table that the Lord has prepared for us today, I want to encourage those of you who are worshiping with us at home is to take in hand the bread or the cracker that you have and the cup of juice or wine that you prepared for sharing in Holy Communion with us today. If you don't yet have those, I would encourage you that this would be a great time to gather those right now. If you're here in our sanctuary, you should have received a small packet with a communion cup with a wafer on the top of it. I'm going to encourage you to take that out and peel back that very top layer, which will reveal the small host, the small wafer in there, and take that in hand. It's a very thin layer. And also then, once you've taken that out, to peel back the other portion of the cup so that you'll have the juice that's revealed for you as well. In just a few moments, you'll be invited to consume both of those elements. But at that moment, when we give you that instruction, that will be the time for you to either lower your mask or to peel it back to one side. And once you consume both of the elements is to replace your mask in its original positions for everybody's safety. Friends, historically, we know that the scriptures enjoin us and Christians have done it for century after century. Coming to the Lord's table is a momentous occasion each time we do it. And we're called upon to examine ourselves in the light of God's great love and his grace that he's shown us by going to the cross for us. And I want to encourage us all to take a moment now together and join me as well as we examine our hearts as we present ourselves before the Lord. Almighty God, we bow before you on this day, more aware perhaps than normal of the greatness of our need of your grace and of your redeeming power. Both as individuals and as a nation, we have fallen short of the glorious potential for which we were created. We confess that we are beset by sin and violence and division at a level that hurts our hearts and must break your heart, O oh Father, who have created us for so much more. We do not know always how to repair ourselves, how to restore the health that we desperately need. But you do, O oh God. We do not know where to go from here, Lord, but you do. And so we fall before you 
we place ourselves afresh into your hands. We believe that you and your supreme compassion and wisdom have more than enough resources needed to save us from ourselves and to save us for the beautiful life of your kingdom. Thank you that in Jesus Christ, the ultimate Joshua, you have come to lead us across the river and into that better land. Thank you for the pouring out of his blood upon the cross for our forgiveness and for the pouring out of his spirit at Pentecost so that we can now approach others in these tumultuous times with the compassion and the wisdom with which you in Christ have moved toward us. So pour out your Holy Spirit now, we pray, upon us and these your gifts of bread and wine. That the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ himself. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and with all who share this communion today. Unite us and empower us to be the radiant church, the salt and the light that our society needs, especially right now. And until that coming day when physically and finally you gather to yourself all your people and you make all things utterly new. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. And now as the scriptures revealed to us in the writings of the Apostle Paul, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and giving thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, our Savior took the cup when they had supped. And he poured out the cup and lifted it before his disciples, saying to them, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you drink of this, do so in remembrance of of me. The Apostle Paul goes on to say that every time we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are proclaiming the saving death of Jesus Christ until he returns again one day in glory. And so wherever you are right now and whatever uh, form of the elements that you have taken to yourself as God's gift to you, we invite you now to receive those elements and to take into yourself the very life of God afresh for the journey that is yet ahead. This we do in remembrance of him.
Isn't it amazing, wonderful, glorious King of Kings that has been so very gracious to us to give us all good things to enjoy and giving us free salvation through the precious blood and broken body of Jesus Christ. Would you join me again as we express our gratitude and prayer to this great King? Lord Jesus, as you commissioned Joshua and the Israelites to cross the river, trusting absolutely in you, we ask that we may be strong and courageous by the power of your Spirit. Lord, in asking this, we know that it is our responsibility to open our hearts and our minds up to your transforming grace by the truth of your word. In our lives, may fear and discouragement be displaced by trust in you and love in action by the grace of your transforming presence met in this communion this very day. For this we pray in the name of Jesus, And now let us join together and pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of the purposes of this season is to embed in our hearts and minds the promises of God in Scripture. And so one of the traditions that we are going to be observing over the course of these weeks is to recite together each week a passage from the book of Joshua in which God gives us those special instructions. And so I want to invite you to read with me in unison these wonderful words as they come to us from the first chapter of Joshua. And we are going to be providing on your way out, for those of you in physical worship with us, uh, cards that uh, contain this scripture and providing uh, these same resources online to our whole congregation in the days to come. But let's read uh, together God's words as it comes to us from Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And now, beloved, Go forth in all of the hope and the power and the love of the gospel's message. Seek out the way of the Lord in all of your goings, humbly lifting up those who may have fallen down. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Heavenly Father, 
and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with you and with Jean-Baptiste and with all of the people of this world in all of the ways we so desperately need, and he is so eager to give. May this be so today and until we meet again and forevermore. Amen. I want to thank you all for joining us both online and here in our sanctuary in worship this morning. And thank you for your so faithful obedience or cooperation with all of our protocols that have kept our worshiping experiences here in person safe for everybody. Uh, we'll be dismissing you section by section. The ushers will come down this, the aisle uh, near your, where you're seated and release you section by section and row by row that allow spacing as we exit the building. Also encourage you to, if possible, uh, as ma in many ways as possible, is to avoid grouping with others as you exit. I know you're seeing friends and seeing people you want to connect with. If you can possibly do that even outside the building where you can take your mask off and, and connect in that way, that'll be helpful for everybody. Also, just as a reminder, uh, you'll be able to find one of the prayer cards that Dan has mentioned uh, on those white cascading tables that are out by door number one there. So thank you again, bless you, and have a marvelous week.